0: Just to be sure, I wanted to put in a trigger warning because I don't want anybody being upset or down after listening to this. Our weekly topic is really, really dark, and I just wanted to give you a fair heads up. If you're listening with kids around, hopefully you don't listen to me with little kids around because I say a lot of bad words. Also, some of the subjects I talk about are, are very ugly, and I wanted to put it out there because it's a very, very sensitive subject, and It includes true-to-life cases that are even occurring up until literally like this week. Just wanted to put it out there. Big fat ass trigger warning for anybody who can't handle really, really fucked up stories. Just wanted to let you know. Carry on. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Fringe with Benefits. This is episode 18, friends, called Reset Yourself. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm happy to happy to know you, happy to see you, happy for you to be listening. I'm your host, Stacey, like I said, marvelous, magical, and sexy, and I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. Let's knock the business out of the way. So you follow me on all my social medias. I say this every week. You know you can find me at the Fringe with Benefits Facebook page, the N-Word Survival's Facebook page. I have my Twitter at Stacey Fringe. i got another Facebook fan page for the Naked and Afraid at Stacey Sorio. If you follow me on my Twitter for the podcast show at Stacey Fringe, I will follow you back from my personal page. Instagram is at Valkyrie underscore Valkyrie. Oh, wait. (laughs) Instagram is at golden underscore Valkyrie, underscore Valkyrie is V-A-L-K-Y-R-I-E. YouTube is at golden valkyrification, and I have a website for Inward Survival. It's inwardsurvival.com, and there are ways to donate and a little blog if you want to check that out. Make sure if you like the show, share the show. Share it with your friends, share it with your family. Let them know there's curse words. And visit the show's homepage on Anchor and click... Support the show for other ways to support the show. You can do, I think there's all, three different options, or you can set your own option, I I believe. I want to say thank you to our subscribers that we already have. Subscribers, not subscribers. <laughs> we love you over here, and thank you for supporting the show. If you listen on Apple Pods, go and give me a rating and review. We like the five stars. That helps me helps me to be seen, and I appreciate that. And make sure you hit me up on my social medias because I like to talk to people. I need some feedback. I want to hear from you. Welcome to this week's accountability segment. I wanted to throw out a little disclaimer that I don't actually know if any of this stuff is all true. It's just a theory. We're theorizing. We're speculating. I just see what other people have found or have put out there and I'm presenting it to you. I'm not presenting it as fact I am presenting it as a possibility. It's fun to talk about these things. It's fascinating. It's exciting. I love weird shit. And if you're here, you obviously do too. It becomes concerning when people think exploring ideas is dangerous. When people feel they need to tell people to only think and look at what they themselves think or believe, then we're getting into a little bit of fascism, wouldn't you say? So real quick, the reptilians, I wanted to clarify last week, we we talked about project paperclip or operation paperclip, whatever it's called, and that um, the Nordics or the Pleiadians had something to do with assisting the Nazis. There is other opinion out there that it was actually the reptilians that may have had a hand with the Nazi technology. And I wanted to clarify that reptilians, there are good ones. There are benevolent benevolent souls that exist among them. And I wanted to get that straight because not all reptiles are bad. Just make sure that you keep that. I don't want anybody to think that I'm stereotyping against reptilians because, you know, they're evil or something. Because they're not all evil. The ones that helped the Nazis were, were though, for sure. As well as, let's talk about over the weekend, that obelisk we talked about, it actually disappeared and then reappeared somewhere in Romania. So that is a developing story. I just wanted to let you guys know that that thing freaking disappeared all in a couple of days and then reappeared on the other side of the world. So who moved the obelisk? Was it BLM, the artist? And then this makes all the more a wild and fascinating story. And it's really exciting. And how many times do I have to say this week, quote, this week, end quote, this week, on this week's blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I do that a lot. So you guys should probably make a drinking game out of it because if I'm going to open every segment with this week, you're going to get sick of shit as hearing it. So I wanted to apologize for that because after all, I do have to hear myself. I have to listen to myself bullshit and talk just to make sure that I don't have any weird, awkward breathing sounds in the recording, because I love you guys. And I do care a little bit about the integrity of the podcast. I do. I do. I really do. Even though to me, it's kind of like my own little COVID coping mechanism, my own little slumber party with myself. That's what this has become. And I'm really glad to be doing this because it's a lot of fun. And if I didn't have any excitement in life, I might just want to jump off a cliff. Okay dudes, welcome to Stacy's Socials. This week we're doing something a little different. Maybe a little bit more controversial. This week's socials has been crazy. Well, it's been crazy this whole entire time. But for instance, I'm actively doing something that I'm like totally regretting right now. I actually am keeping a post up that is out to embarrass the hell out of somebody. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't like it. But I feel that it's absolutely necessary to get across the point that I will not put up with harassment on my page. Last week, I talked about trolling. I shared some things, some personal things about my experiences being on the receiving end of a troll. Well, this morning after my workout and after I was showered and I was feeling cute and I was like, I'm going to take a selfie and write a little motivational musing as a caption and post it to my Instagram and my Facebook fan page. And so, I mean, just like basic, it was it was like talking about compassion and being mindful of your community and your nation and, you know, the people around you. And so it was like super cheesy and I don't know, just motivational crap. And by the way, I've been really freaking depressed for several months. In fact, I've been battling with depression pretty much my entire adult life. You know, it's been really hard to put myself together to look halfway decent when I'm, you know, I have no reason to go anywhere or do my makeup Or try to look pretty at all. Or wear anything besides yoga pants, sweats, or a sweatshirt and a t-shirt. You know, I'm like really low on the content with my Facebook page. You know, I feel like my life is super boring. Nobody wants to see, you know, what I'm up to. Half the time I look like shit. haven't showered. I've been working outdoors. I'm kind of a mess. And so I don't share very much on Facebook especially my fan page and my Instagram. Now I have my personal Facebook page, which I share the hell out of all kinds of controversial stuff. That is my little safe place where I go and I share all the things that I'm really thinking. And that's where most of my friends are. sure that there's some people that don't, they probably unfollow me or don't pay attention to half the shit I say, which is cool as hell. Or they unfriend me. That happens too. That's not a big deal. But it is my place to go to kind of, it's my little town square, just like everybody else's Facebook is their own little town square, their own little pavilion in which they can stand up and and shout. So we all have our reasons to utilize social media. And mine's pretty much for that. You know, it's a it's a great way to actually interact with people. And I really like that because I'm a total extrovert that's actually been condemned to their house. And that is, it drives me absolutely insane that I don't get to see people or go anywhere or, you know, I'm, I'm out of work. And so I have no real structure. Any structure that I do have, I have to give to myself. And so I post this, you know, cute little thing and I'll actually read it to you. Okay, this is gonna be really embarrassing. So this is what I wrote. Who cares about you? Hashtag compassion. Who cares about the health of our communities? Hashtag healthy communities. Who cares about our nation's wellness? Hashtag loyal to the constitution. Who cares about the strange and unusual? Hashtag paranormal. Who cares about learning new things and encouraging others to engage in life? hashtag inward survival. Being alive is incredible even when it doesn't feel like it. Hashtag resilience, hashtag kindness, hashtag soicism, hashtag wellness, hashtag bravery, hashtag honesty, hashtag integrity, hashtag strength, and hashtag fortitude. These are all things that I value. I like to make a list of core values. So this is like little, this little stupid post is an exercise in This is a coping mechanism that actually I learned in counseling. So this is a really great way for me to give myself a little boost. And I suggest other people do it too. Do the stupid little posts, even if you're a little embarrassed, because it will make you feel better and it will set your mind in the right direction. The very first comment is this friend who was the number three type of troll when I spoke last week about this. And this is what she says to me. You're never going to fucking believe this. She says, you used to be all those things. It's been sad to see you change and not for the better. You definitely aren't kind anymore. And integrity is a strong word that comes with a lot of responsibility. This is my last social media comment to you. I was like, oh, okay. So she wants to start shit. Well, this actually really hurt my feelings. Okay. Okay because like I told you, I've been pretty bummed out and I've been really vying to come up with some kind of content that actually helps the world instead of gives more bullshit for people to be upset about. And so this has been an ongoing thing. So I basically, I replied, you know, wow, you're really rude which I've said this to her before. You're really rude. I wish that you wouldn't come on my page and say things like that or try to embarrass me in public. And I also said that was not encouraging and it was very judgmental. I don't think I want to be your friend anymore. Unlike all of my pages and unfriend my personal page, please. Well, then I was a little fired up. And so I'm like, you know what? Let me screenshot this and share it on my personal page so people can see how I'm being treated on my own public page fan page. Now I did not block her. I did not remove her from being able to comment on my fan page. I left it at that. So I share this post and of course I'm like wow you know that's harsh maybe I should have blocked out her name. Ooh, you know that wasn't you know it just feels icky because it kind of seems like I'm doing the same thing she is. Now am I? Most likely. Does she deserve it? Maybe. But that's why I'm really like, I regret this. I shouldn't have shared that. I should have just left it be. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to delete it. I'm going to let it go for a little bit because it gets the point across that I will put you on blast if you come and you try to embarrass me in public, especially if you're supposed to be my friend. It's unacceptable behavior. Now, why is she angry with me? Have I been unkind or rude to her? Maybe in a little bit of conversation in which I, w- I was blunt and brutally honest, not with insults, but with how I felt. And she has repeatedly told me that she thinks that I am insulting in- her intelligence Well, I'm not, I'm sharing what I think and how I think maybe she has some faulty thinking. I'm the first to own up if I have faulty thinking and that's fine because none of us are perfect. It's it's okay to freaking drop the ego. We all get hate and negativity on our social media and maybe I didn't deal with it the right way or maybe I did. Maybe I should have just um, let her run over me like that or maybe I shouldn't have who's to tell really. But one thing I do know for sure is that I will never not stand up for myself and I will never not stand up for what's right. Just because I may have some ideas about conspiracy theories or um, strange happenings doesn't make me less kind or less compassionate for my community. In fact, my... My fun times with playing with conspiracy theories has been going on since the late 80s and 90s. That actually was a cool, fun thing to do back in the day. But now it's been villainized and now there's a stigma attached to it. And now people say that it is dangerous for you to say things like that because that couldn't possibly be true even though there's a ton of circumstantial evidence. And what is wrong with investigating These concepts? What is wrong with thinking about these things? So to have a friend who is so anti-conspiracy theory and who thinks it's so dangerous, the fact that I started a conspiracy theory podcast has made it really, really awkward because I obviously like things that she does not And instead of supporting me in my venture and maybe not consuming the content because I know she sure as hell doesn't listen to this thing, she told me it didn't work on her phone. Well, there's hundreds of people that say that um, it works on their phone just fine. And most of them listen on iPhone. So I don't know what the hell the problem is. Instead of supporting me or maybe just stepping back and letting me do my own thing and supporting from afar because she doesn't appreciate or agree with what I think. She decides to step in on my cute little selfie and tell me how she felt and that she doesn't think I'm a good person. Oh, and then earlier today, if you go to my Twitter feed, you can see that I shared that my first comment that I got this morning was from her to let me know that I could stick my integrity in my ass with a bunch of middle fingers, like four little birds flipping me off. I thought it was pretty funny. I didn't say anything. I laughed at it. And I moved on with my day. Went and had some exercise and decided, hmm, I'm going to take a cute little selfie and post it of myself. Now, a lot of people are not going to think that this is good content. They're probably going to be like, what a fucking lame bitch to sit there and talk about, you know, what happened to her on her Facebook. That's so lame. Well, there's like a lot of people that are going to use this as a template of sorts in how to deal with this kind of stuff because I didn't fly off the handle and call her bad names like I wanted to. I didn't drive out there and wring her neck like I really wanted to. I basically nicely said, please unfollow my pages and unfriend me. I do not want to be your friend anymore. You're extremely rude and judgmental. Totally honest. I'm not gonna let this get to me. I'm going to move on and record the rest of this amazing podcast, which has given me a non-judgmental platform to speak out, which is where I need to be in life. It's where I feel my best is talking about things that I think are fucking hot and fascinating and not letting haters get the best of me. So as I go and I join everybody back on my social medias, I will delete that shitty post I made of her blasting, putting her on blast with what she said. But I will leave her post on my fan page so people can see what kind of bullshit that people do. Even your own friends will jump on the bandwagon and try to degrade you or knock you down a notch. Do not let them, whatever you do. Keep your head high and rise above the offense. Now let's move on to our viral video. Okay, here I am for Viral Corner, and I had to actually re-record this segment because yesterday I was a little emotionally driven, and I I didn't do my due diligence on the videos that I wanted to talk about. So here I am, I'm going to re-record this with a fresh new look and actually have, you know, properly looked at the video that I wanted to talk about. We're going to talk about the great mask debate, and we're going to talk about Mask shaming. So, yesterday there was this viral video going around of this guy who was standing in line and um, he didn't have a mask on. People were yelling at him. And then, you know, of course, somebody's filming him. But somebody runs up behind him and pours cold water on him. And he, like, stands there shocked. And then he, like, storms off. He doesn't react really. And I was like, wow, you know, that's kind of scary. What if, you know, what if you can't wear a mask and you're out and you're freaking attacked and assaulted by the entire store, you know? And started thinking about that. And I was talking to my partner and I was like, well, what if that was staged? Because it could have been, it could have very well have been. And what if that video was a vehicle to bring some kind of fear about going out and not wearing a mask? That's pretty freaking scary because you know what? I experienced that anxiety if I, you know, cause I don't necessarily really believe that it's healthy to be wearing a mask for long periods of time. In fact, it doesn't allow your body to naturally expel material that it needs to get rid of, and then you're re-consuming that material. It's definitely not healthy, not not for healthy people to be wearing them, that's for sure. Is, you know, some of, th- are some of these viral videos that are like super controversial, are they, you know, some of them geared to kind of upset the psyche a little bit? I think that's absolutely a possibility. I also want to talk about, so I was like, looking on Twitter for videos of people, no mask at, at um, grocery stores. And there is this one person that didn't have any likes or anything, but it was a video of this old lady trying to um, check out at the grocery store. And he's like, you know, the post is showing her just checking out and, you know, no big deal. She doesn't even know he's filming her, you know? And he's like, she's not wearing a mask. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell? She's a part of the vulnerable population. She probably shouldn't be wearing a mask for one. And what happened to protecting our old people? We're supposed to be protecting our elderly, at least, you know what I mean? So putting this poor woman on the internet and she doesn't even know, and it's just, it's shameful and it's really, really gross. So the video that I really wanted to talk about is it was posted on YouTube, and um, she's calling for help, actually. It's titled, so the link's in the show notes. It's titled, Alaska Airlines Targets Dr. Tammy, Federal Violations, Please Help Urgently, Time is of the Essence. Her name is Dr. Tammy Towers Perry, and she does attach, um, the pinned comment at the top is her affidavit for her experience. This lady's been flying Alaska Airlines for several, several months. She has a pulmonary issue in which she has an exemption. So she's been flying without a mask, no problem. Well, this week, Alaska Airlines, the flight attendants kicked her off and the manager on duty was, I mean, you just really have to watch it. It's really long. I wish I would have timestamped all the important parts, but the pretty much the whole thing was pretty damn important. There's a total fucking violation of two rights happening here at least. All these attendants are super young and it's like the rise of the millennials. So this lady, she's a surgeon. She works for the Department of Intelligence. She schools the fuck out of these kids. And I kind of got chills because she's right. They are out of line. And there will probably be fines. Um, she told them that there was going to be a twenty-five thousand dollar fine for each offense of violating somebody's rights, according to the American Disabilities Act. So she she even compromised. Okay. So basically, she's on the flight. She starts filming because they're kicking her off the flight. She said that it's because they've been asking her to put on a mask. She let them know about her exemption, but they they weren't having it. They said that there are no exemptions. And so she put the mask on, but because they thought that she was going to be a threat and take off her mask during the flight... They had her removed. Well, she has exemption paperwork. She has a pulmonary issue. And when you find out, you know, why she's been flying so much, then you will, you know, it just, it's bad. It's really bad. So, what about her pulmonary issue? She's been flying without this exemption or with this exemption for several months. So, they don't honor exemptions all of a sudden. These um, people that work for Alaska Airlines, you could tell they're really young and immature and kind of dense. She literally said, This lady lady that works for the airlines, Polly, and this her name is, she threatens to lose her cool. And there's no reason to be losing her cool except you got caught screwing up. It kind of escalates as she tries to, as the woman who's filming tries to get everybody's name so she can include it in her documentation. And she really, the um, Polly gets really upset and then bans her for life and she's got 600,000 air miles, you know, this this lady, Dr. Tammy. I I'm just watching this and I'm like, "Holy shit. This is nuts. No mask, no fly." I don't think that that's that's okay because all survival instinct is to not harm one's body. People cannot tell someone they have to participate in activities that harms one's vessel, right? It's a basic human right. So this lady was headed to her chemo appointment in which she has to have infusions every few weeks or, or it's life or death. And so she's, she tries to educate them on why sh- they shouldn't have kicked her off the flight. And she does a really excellent job, but you can tell she's pretty upset because it's not a minor inconvenience for this woman. People that are fearing people that don't have masks on need to check themselves looks like that these people were actually tampering with witnesses to the Alaska Airlines employees when they reacted harshly when Tammy tried to get the badge numbers from the police officers that were there to escort her, escort her off. There were about five to start and then they dwindled down to three, but she asked for their badge numbers and the Alaska Airlines Polly was like, you can't have those. And she's like, really? Yes, I, I can. And, you know, all these rights violations kind of add up at the end of this. And how would you feel if you had a disability in which you genuinely can't wear a mask and these people did this to you and stranded you when you were trying to freaking get to your doctor's appointment to live? You know what I mean? It's un- It's absolutely outlandish. So go check that video out. I really wanted to talk about that. This week's weekly topic is courtesy of one of our listeners. I'm going to leave her name out of it because I really don't think that she wants her name out there. Interestingly enough, this supporter of the show has become a great friend and she is she's phenomenal and we've we've really put together this really neat friendship. I've never met her in person and she's actually in emergency dispatch and a jailer. And she's from somewhere I've never been to, but I'm dying to see and experience because it's like definitely a a really, really American culture. And I'm not going to say where that is either, but it's absolutely fascinating. And she brought up this topic. This is what the, um, the message says. Thought I'd give you a subject for your Friends with Fringe with Benefits podcast regarding the above subject. We were talking about something gnarly. She said, I personally believe that meth is some sort of gateway to the darkness, a.k.a. hell, a.k.a. demon possession, etc. I have seen so many people high on meth who are speaking in an apocalyptic manner, talking about gatekeepers and scorched earth shit, and speaking like the other an otherworldly entity. I have I have been a sensitive since birth, so I have seen and heard some scary shit in my 41 years. But meth has by far brought the scariest supernatural experiences of my life. I'm going to leave out the last little paragraph because it's nobody's business, but I'm going to share a personal experience of my of my own. In the mid 90s, methamphetamine was the party drug. That was the drug that everybody was doing, and I spent a lot of time partying with that stuff, just like everybody else I knew. In fact, my ex-boyfriend was a drug dealer, and he was actually one of the main suppliers for the area that we lived in. And so it was super easy to get a hold of this stuff, and I saw a lot of crazy shit. When people would stay up for days, they would report seeing shadow people. Now, we've talked about shadow people on the podcast before, but this is like a whole new level. Is some sort of veil being lifted after they've been so sleep deprived? Is, are these basic hallucinations and paranoia? This is kind of the mystery we're going to delve into. So this little segment we're going to call Meth Monsters. I have been witness to this type of stuff. I had another ex who was a serious drug user, and when he um, was up for several days, He started to become extremely delusional and he would talk about the demons and when he would try to fall asleep that the demons would come. I personally have only experienced that type of insanity one time in my drug use and it was enough to scare the ever-living shit out of me to where I couldn't stay up for several days on end because you literally start to go nuts. And that's why I think this is a really important subject because I think a lot of people still party on the weekends or utilize it in a way that is to escape, but when in actuality it can actually bring some real heartache into your life. So let's get into our first little bit of research. One of the first stories I had ever heard about this type of behavior was from um, when I was in California in the mid-90s. There's this crazy story about this guy who actually decapitated his own son in front of another child. And so let me read you this article. It's titled, Police, b- Police, colon. Father Beheads Son Flees With Head As The Other Child Watches. This happened in New Mexico. It says, A father beheaded his 14-year-old son along a busy interstate as his younger son watched. He fled with the boy's head in his van, and then he tossed it out the window as he led police on a 40-mile chase. The father, Eric Starr-Smith, 34, of Parker, Arizona, was captured in Albuquerque early Saturday after his van crushed into a retaining wall. He was arrested and faces arraignment Monday on charges of murder and tampering with evidence. So this guy fucking stabbed his son, his, named after him, Eric Star smith Jr., several times, and decapitated him along Interstate 40 near the central New Mexico town of Morarty. The four-lane interstate was restricted to two lanes because of construction. I remember when the story happened. It was fucking nuts. And it still wasn't enough to keep me away from this shit. So I'm going to continue on. Smith raced away with the boy's head in the van, throwing it out the window about a mile down the highway. The head was found near a concrete barrier. The younger son, 13, fled after his older brother told him to run. Authorities had not interviewed the boy or released his name because of, quote, extremely unstable emotional state, end quote. He was in after seeing his brother's death. Of course, the victim was partially in the roadway wearing only a pair of shorts and socks. The younger boy was at the scene of the stabbing when deputies arrived. He told the officers his father had put his brother's head in the van before speeding away. There were 29 stab wounds that he counted. The boy's grandfather had legal custody of both children. First word of the attack came from the trucker who called the sheriff's department to report a possible homicide. So that's all the details from that article. I was able to finally find it linked to a Reddit thread in which it talked about it. And the the title of the Reddit thread, I'll I'll link that too. It says, a man from Arizona decapitates his son while high on meth and leaves his body in the middle of the road. Might be one of the most disgusting things I've ever read. Serious trigger warning. Absolutely. I guess I should have put a trigger warning in the beginning of this one because it's gnarly. Let's talk about a little bit of the damaging effects of methamphetamine. It says, long-term users of methamphetamine are observed to suffer from paranoia, moodiness, auditory, and sensory hallucinations. Wait, let me go back real quick. So the word on the street from this guy killing his son was that he said, and I see if I could find something that says this, but supposedly he said that he saw the devil in his son or that his son was a demon and that he panicked and killed him. Now, This might be some sort of urban legend, but I swear that this phenomena has happened more than once. So let's get back to the damaging effects of meth. It says that, okay, long-term users suffer from paranoia, moodiness, auditory and sensory hallucinations, and generalized hyperactivity known as tweaking. That's what we called them, tweakers. Long-term use damages blood vessels and users often have abscesses and lesions or sores on their faces. Severe cravings accompany withdrawals from the drug. And to counteract the brain's ability to develop a tolerance for the effects. Users are known to binge in and attempt to experience the same high again, and that's what the problem is. The effects do not remain the same the more you use the drug. And so you use more and more and more to try to reach that level of euphoria that you felt when you first started using. Long-term use can cause confusion, insomnia, aggressive and violent behavior, And it can increase cardiovascular problems like damage to the small blood vessels in the brain. Binge use has been known to cause the feeling of ants crawling on one's skin. Users often see shadow people or think something is there that is not. And a degree of paranoia is often the long-term effects use of this drug. There is a linked impact letter about meth in this. It's probably a pretty good thing to go in and read, but we're not going to get into that right now. You can check it out. Now, there are a ton of scholarly articles on this subject. The one I'm going to link to you is from a Princeton University undergraduate junior, I'm sorry, senior thesis in psychology. The title is Tweakers Meth Mouth." and Shadow People, The Different Sides of Methamphetamine Abuse and Addiction. It's written by Andre Mendez and Robert Wolfolk, and it was um, from class 2007. It's actually 87 pages, so if you really want to get into it, but we're just going to look at some of the basic attributes of this. Okay, so th- that article is unavailable and their site is down, but I will make sure I link it um, just in case when the renovations are not happening anymore, you can access that document. We'll move on to another one, a writing by Heath Copes from researchgate.net. It's called Shadow People, a counter visual of those who use methamphetamine. I'm going to just quickly read you the abstract of this. This photo essay offers a counter visual to the common images of people who use methamphetamine, Images of meth users found in the media and anti-meth campaigns typically paint them as one-dimensional actors who have sacrificed their health, families, and lives for their drug of choice. Such depictions contribute to the stigmatization and demonization of users, which can ultimately impede their recovery. Here we provide photographs of men who previously cooked methamphetamine but were were in treatment at the time the photographs were taken. The photographs are captioned with quotes from the men to show some of the range of attractions for using and the hazards of chronic use and the struggles to live free from meth. Our hope is that these images and brief quotes will help to show the complexity of these people's lives. I absolutely agree with putting this out there because people are not lost to this drug. When you do lose your mind, you do can become lost to this drug because you can be sent to prison for the rest of your life or you could end up hurting yourself or hurting somebody else really, really badly. So this is a really neat document. There's a lot of images of people that were former drug users and I pray for all of them and I hope they've all found solace. And I thought that was a really, really positive spin on this horrendous situation. Now, are people really hallucinating or are they seeing into maybe the spirit realm? Can we can we can't discount what they're seeing or or maybe we can But maybe it's like other hallucinogenic drugs in which people think that it is um, possible to be seeing into the supernatural realm. And that's kind of where we're going with this. This is why I wanted to talk about it, because it's a very real thing for these people when they're experiencing it. In fact, I have a relative that had to be, he's been clean and sober for several decades now. But he, he, had a very close relative of mine, had to be committed to a mental institution because he started seeing spiders crawling out of his skin and all over the walls and all over everything. And so he literally flipped the fuck out because he was using too much of this drug for too long of a period of time. Were those spiders real? Absolutely not. But he thought they were real. Real enough to scare the shit out of himself and scare the shit out of his entire family. I tell you what. So this other article from... The Globe and dot com in Canada, titled "Swinging at the Shadows: The Curse of Crystal Meth," written by Graham Smith. This was written in two thousand and four, but it's just as true today. And it goes through the history of meth in this region and what it was like for a personal experiencer of this and how he started it, and and what his experience was. He says, "I ceased being a human being and became a monster." He says that, um, well, the article says that not everybody gets hooked on meth, and some users can manage the cravings, but law enforcement officials say that Mr. Lund's intense reaction to his first sample was typical. Now, Douglas Culver, national Co- coordinator of RCMP, the, um, the Royal Canadian Mountain Police Synthetic Drug Operations, he says that you cannot just use it occasionally, it's like a disease. Uh, The article goes on to say that the the N-methyl derivative of amphetamine works like other stimulants such as cocaine, except the euphoria can last 8 to 12 hours. Some experts say its addictiveness is pure chemistry, but others point to the lure of heightened awareness in a fast-paced society. You do, you feel superhuman, and that's why it's so dangerous. Club goers can play all night, while truckers and taxi drivers, prostitutes, and students can work longer hours. Look at the Adderall fad. Look at. Look at these really highly successful people that had a little bit of help from that clean pharmaceutical amphetamine is basically what it was. So it is, it's enticing. People want to feel good. People want to feel a, you know, maybe not not have to sleep and do an all nighter and get a bunch of stuff done. There is like a huge appeal to that. And that's why it's so dangerous. This, this drug spans all kinds of demographics. It's not just the poor folks. It's the rich kids too. There are a number of Canadians coming to seduction. There's a lot of people that's starting to use it. So the data from Health Canada's Drug Analysis Service in 2004, these are the people that test the drugs seized by police. Show the number of meth samples from B.C. increased 50% between 2001 and 2003. Alberta rose 20%. Ontario 108%. Manitoba 141%. Quebec 457% and Sas- Saskatchewan How do I say it? Saskatchewan? 857 857% and that was back then. What is it like now? So people you know the police are seeing it more it's a real concern. It's been a real concern since the mid-90s. Um, so this guy, um, Mr. Lund, who is the experiencer of this drug, he, he goes on to talk about how his, his dealer became his best friend and he had all these long stretches of sleepless days. He found himself hallucinating while driving along the highway. He saw dragons, old women, children, and kept screeching to a stop because he thought he had hit these people. And then he blacked out and woke up still driving. So what the f- fuck and then he had this meth dealer move into his house and then he and started losing his mind he noticed him standing in front of a bathroom mirror with blood dripping off his face as he gouged imaginary blemishes with a metal pick then mr lund found videotapes of the dealer using drugs to rape women in his own bed he smashed the tapes kicked him out of the house and became a dealer himself so he took over all this guy's business right so a lot of money in methamphetamine and it's the, like the cheap, cheaper um, type of um, you know, it's cheaper than cocaine. It's more intense than cocaine. And so it's become really, really big. So this guy just went down the wrong road. He went from having like a really good job and being a productive member of society to a straight up psychotic drug addict. He said he was really cruel and that he, you know, he just can't even believe the type of person that he was. So he says that he once visited an addict's house and found him in a psychotic state, smashing telephones. The crazed man rushed outside and ripped wires out of Mr. Lund's car, explaining that listening devices were everywhere. I have personally experienced this, by the way. That's when Mr. Lund walked to a drugstore, bought sleeping pills, and slipped them into this guy's drink to help him fall asleep. He said he visited another friend and found him on the roof wearing a dressing gown and wielding a meat cleaver, shouting that he had cornered the shadow people. Mr. Lund persuaded him to climb down. He said it wasn't easy dealing with the dealers, especially when meth made them paranoid. One dealer secretly stashed 14000 in an air vent in the basement of Mr. Lund's rented house, forgot about it, and stole Mr. Lund's car on the assumption that he had taken the cash. Another dealer put a gun to his head. And that's when he started carrying weapons himself. And it looks like, you know, it got to where people started threatening his life. Then, you know, it got worse. His, he started camping in the basement of a house belonging to his girlfriend's mother. His family reported him missing. He saw his own picture on the evening news. He saw his girlfriend started cheating on him. So he started laundering money and the police finally caught him with all this stuff. So shortly after his release from police custody, he found himself standing in a park one rainy day after spending four days awake, fingering the trigger of a snub nose um, gun that he had trained, traded for $10 worth of drugs. He was utterly transformed from a clean-cut entrepreneur to a street thug who wore a leather skullcap, studded leather cuffs, and a bracelet of bullets on his wrist. He was thinking about how a bullet would feel in the roof of his mouth. He said he just snapped. Now, the article goes on to say that a list of health effects from prolonged use is long and ugly, as with most other narcotics. But what makes meth unique is how often the drug drives people insane. They get violent. They get paranoid. They tend to stay awake for days, binging on the drugs, which can lead to psychosis. Richard Rawson, a psychologist at the University of California who has studied drug addiction for 30 years, says that people get crazy on meth like they don't on other drugs. So when Mr. Lund was out there thinking about putting a bullet in his brain, he threw the he you know he kind of came to his senses, threw the gun in the creek, and then went to bed and fell asleep. Slept for two days. He was um, arrested again soon after. And this time spent some time in jail. He wept for days as he lived without drugs for the first time in two years. The withdrawal symptoms weren't as awful as the full realization of what he had done. He, of course, pleaded guilty and it seems like he's become sort of an advocate for this drug problem. He says, quote, it has to stop. These monsters are being created at such high velocity, you can't contain this fire. If you try to contain it, it's going to blow up in your face. You need to extinguish it right now, end quote. So what makes this so absolutist as it is? And when you put drugs on top of it with somebody who's already anxious and depressed, and it, it makes it a hundred times worse. And it will make their situation so much worse. Now, when we talk about my friend who works in emergency services and works in jails, um, or works in a jail, and she, what she's experienced, in, in which like these people seem like they're demonically possessed, and that's really what I want to get into is like. Why is there this synonymous experience of these people kind of seeing the same things? Everybody sees the shadow people. There's a heightened sense of paranoia. Everybody thinks that somebody's listening. That's what I really want to explore. There are so many stories just like this, and I'm going to read one more. It's from the Salt Lake Tribune. It's titled, Emory County Man Found Guilty of Murder Says Meth Psychosis Led Him to Believe the Family Members He Killed Were Demons. This was written in 2017, so not too long ago. The jury bought a defense that Emory County man allegedly experiencing methamphetamine-induced psychosis thought his mother was a demon when he shot and killed her, his attorney said, but not when he did the same to his brother. Seconds later, after three hours of deliberation, the jury handed down guilty verdict. So they found him guilty of attempting aggravated murder, aggravated robbery, and failure to stop at the command of the police. So this is on uh, November 2nd, 2016, an altercation in which the 26-year-old Peterson pointed a rifle at his mother, Susan Peterson, and shot her in the face at a remote ranch in Carbon County, according to court records. Seth Peterson's uncle, who witnessed the shooting, according to court documents, said he heard Seth Peterson say, I just shot my mom in the effing face. Shortly after, his little brother, James, drove towards the mother mother's body in a truck according to the court documents the men's uncle then heard a second gunshot before seeing Seth drive away in the truck his brother fatally wounded so I guess he later approached the owner of the truck that he was driving pointed a rifle at his chest and said you have to help me hide the two bodies when his friend didn't comply he beat him with a crowbar and then fled in his truck he was arrested after officers responded to these reports of shots fired and so they got him after a lengthy pursuit, and he was charged. Defense, His defense attorney said that the manslaughter and aggravated murder findings are inconsistent, and he plans to explore options to get the aggravated murder conviction overturned. The evidence presented to the jury showed that Peterson had been using meth for four days street, straight, He was sleep deprived and dehydrated when he killed his mother and brother. He was in a state of meth psychosis. He thought that his mother and brother were being held captive and he was confronting two demons. Or the lawyer said it's not illegal to kill demons. So if he thought he killed demons, he can't be guilty of aggravated murder. So this guy had called the police earlier that day, the murderer, saying he was hallucinating and in danger. The police showed up and asked him when was the last time he used meth. He denied even using it. And they called his mom to come get him. And then they left. By 5.30 p.m. that day, his mom had been shot. So unfortunately, in his state, this is what his attorney said, unfortunately in his state, he couldn't appreciate that it was actually his mother. Well, duh. Absolutely. You know, he's supporting the fact that you know, this psychosis made it to where he was temporarily insane and that he couldn't face, he couldn't face the charges that they you know that he was not mentally competent to face those charges which is unfortunate because you do sober up after that and i'm not really sure what the aftermath of that is but i think that he needs to be pretty responsible for that he decided to go on the bender i ran into a little forum that's talking about the same thing in which people are actually talking about it It says crystal meth and demon hallucinations First off, we do not believe crystal we do not believe in crystal meth induced hallucinations. He says that we don't. We do believe that other drugs cause hallucinations, but crystal meth actually causes your eyes to be open to an evil and invisible realm. Let us tell you why we think this to be true and let's see if you agree or not. On crystal meth, people will commonly report seeing shadowy figures, blurry faces, tall men in dark cloaks appearing and disappearing quickly with a small flash. Dogs and other family pets seem to bark at nothing or shy away from areas of your home as if in fear, lifting their nose in the air and whining as if trying to point to someone or something. People also report seeing aliens, UFOs, and other strange creatures. The list goes on, and then it gives a link to... um, a hub pages page, and it's in the religion philosophy section, and it's titled "The Truth About Meth, Witchcraft, and Demons." Which I will make sure that that's in there. This person that's writing this, let's see what they say. Team Wiseman. This person says that it's not the same as other controlled substances. It's in a league of its own. Its sole purpose. So it. Is, they're saying that it is a demon itself. And I totally believe it because there's some weird supernatural stuff that's attached to it. This article says it's the sole purpose is to separate you from your own life, from your wife or husband, kids, family, friends, finances, and finally your right relationship with God. We've seen countless people fall to the deceit of crystal meth and have their that's disintegrate. So I think it is actually really weird that they seem to see the same things. And if You know, if it's just a psychosis-induced hallucination based off of not sleeping, why are they seeing the same things? Why is there this common theme with most of them? Why is it that shadow, you know, you talk to an ex-meth addict and they know what you mean when you say shadow people, or you know what they mean when you say, you know, when you see the demons. Now, like we talked about, these shadow people have been, A real phenomenon that people that aren't on drugs see them. This article says that they're real and they're not in your head. They are really there in the corner of your eye spying on you from behind always lurking. These men have been seen by drug users and non-drug users alike. Some people are naturally sensitive that when somebody uses meth, the evil realm explodes into their life. This person says that these shadow people are not people after all they're demons. Written about in the Bible. They are fallen angels who chose the path of unrighteousness to follow Satan. That they are considered the shadows of death from the book of Psalms. Like, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil these other people some roam free seeking to devour souls but some make homes inside of us gaining power over our every decision calling themselves the legion amongst other names all demons have a particular task and rank on crystal meth your soul and spirit become closer to the jobs of demons you can see them more clearly and you're more susceptible to giving into their wishes there's yeah okay so they show a few um youtube videos in this article and um reporting that there are people that actually use crystal meth in their witchcraft rituals so i don't know if i really buy into all this stuff but but there are some synonymous um symbolism related to this it talks about when you smoke crystal meth you put you crush it and you put it in a a glass pipe After smoking, it says, after smoking the meth from the pipe, the user typically crushes and buries the broken glass, like a dog does a bone. Anyone who has used crystal meth with a pipe knows that when it breaks, replace it, or all hell breaks loose. When using crystal meth, you might as well consider yourself a witch or a warlock, and the pipe is your magic wand, and this video you see here helps to prove that people are using this drug to be enlightened by the evil realm and perform black magic spells on people around them and even influence law enforcement with mass confusion. This is like a totally different theory, Def, totally different and new. There are, here we go, Satan, the map master puppeteer. So when you're under the influence crystal meth, you will say and do crazy things. You will believe or have faith in situations and scenarios around you. People often believe that they have psychic abilities or divine foresight while using it. So the article goes on to say to run from this drug like no other. And I agree. I mean, I'm not so sure if I agree with you know basically saying that these people are performing witchcraft but if some if somebody's out there saying it it comes for a weekly topic but I figure that it was something that everybody kind of needs to know that there is reason to be worried about the erratic drug dealer on the street corner there is reason to be worried about your kid who is abusing amphetamines there is reason to worry about maybe abuse of pharmaceutical grade amphetamines and I guess with anything um, moderation is the key and and it being legal too you don't want to say methamphetamine is okay but you know people have Adderall prescriptions for a reason I do believe that there is a fair and good application for the use of that I don't see anything wrong with that but at the same time you have to use those things in moderation you cannot use it to get high or abuse it in the way that it's not meant to be used, and it, people really need to be warned about that. I thought that this t- topic was absolutely insane. Something I've been hearing about and talking about my whole life. Thank you so much to that amazing friend of mine for bringing it up because these are stories that you know have been in my life since since I was a kid. Pretty much, it's always been a thing. You always watch out for the dopers, man. You have to watch out. They will steal from you. They will take from you. They will lie to you. You have to watch out for that shit. Is it a demon that's influencing them? Maybe. I I really seriously think that that drug is the demon itself, but I do also believe that there are demons that are in a supernatural realm that is parallel to ours that can affect our homes our lives the people around us and maybe do attach themselves to people to feed off of their negativity and to make sure they're going down a bad road opposed to finding the light there are lots of cases of demonic hauntings and possession and I don't put them past it I don't put it past them one bit actually so everybody watch out for those meth monsters monsters out there watch out for the meth monsters and watch out for the people that are being consumed by the meth monsters. So that was a really heavy weekly topic, and I'm definitely going to put a trigger warning in the description of the show. And before we move into our mailbag, I want to quickly say something else. All of those cases of these parents that are, you know, losing their minds and hurting their kids, I was sent another article about this guy who killed his little boy. He basically kidnapped his son from his wife or girlfriend and drove across state lines and murdered him. I'm not going to go into details because we've heard enough about this shit, but it was the same thing. She had asked him to get his life under control because he was abusing Adderall, which is pretty interesting. And he lost his mind, took the child, killed the child, and he was sentenced I will make sure that I put a link to this article in the show notes as well. Now, there was news yesterday that came out of Lancaster, California, in which this man, there's no details just yet, but he had decapitated his two teenage kids, so a 12- and a 13-year-old. God rest their souls. So lots of prayers for the family. This is a developing story. I don't know. You know, they put one of the articles the title was total clickbait it said that he had done it he was a personal trainer and he had done it because of covid stress i don't know if that's true or not we're gonna have to wait and see what happens with that but it's yet another one of somebody losing their freaking mind we do we know it's because of drugs no we don't know that just yet but it wouldn't surprise me because otherwise it's totally inconceivable Let's move into our mailbag this week. We're gonna lighten things up for the end of this show. There's no mail. I don't have any stories for you this week. Basically you're gonna to have to send me some. It's at fringe withbenefits at protonmail com. at protonmail com. Our guest spot includes somebody who's like really up and coming, and I think she's a real force of nature. I talk a lot about Jordan Peterson. If I don't talk about him a lot on the podcast, I do talk a lot about him in, in person. I linked below uh, the website for his daughter, Michaela Peterson, and she's doing really, really good work in the field of wellness and health and resilience. And I'm all about that. And so I really, really want to shout her out because she is doing some great stuff. She started a podcast with her dad. It's called the Jordan B. Peterson show. I also put a link to the newest episode that they just recorded and it has um, Wim Hof is their guest and it's a must listen. You have to listen to this and go over there and subscribe because this is intense, raw, real information that is important and imperative to all of our lives so get out there check out her website make sure you go over and subscribe to her podcast and let's support her because she's doing really good work okay folks here we are for inward survival's school of magic all those little tips and pointers on living your best life be like you don't know my life well now you do We're going to continue on with our School of Thought Biases poster. Next, we're going to talk about declinism. This is where you see the past as worse than it actually was, and that the future is going to be worse than it actually might be. You know, just thinking that times are the worst ever, when in actuality, things are a lot better, people are a lot nicer to each other, but... When you have that mindset that, oh, man, things are so bad, it's, it's not the same as it was in the old days. That's just some bullshit thinking. Absolutely. That's called declinism. Next, we have the framing effect. This would be where we would allow ourselves to be influenced by the context and delivery of con- you know, content instead of its substance itself. And we have to make sure that we can, like, at least be in acceptance that we can be manipulated and that sometimes we are tricked into being manipulated and to make sure that we look at things in depth instead of just looking at the contextual nature of it and the delivery. Next, we've got the just world hypothesis. This would be one's preference for a just world that would make you think it actually exists. Bad things do happen to good people. This is where that, like, just because, you know, you think that there's a just world doesn't mean the bad things are not going to happen. Bad things still freaking happen, and we have to be realistic about that. Next, we have in-group bias. We all have been guilty of this one. This would be unfairly favoring those in your own group, treating them better than you would treat, you know, the rest of the population. And making sure that you take... Personal responsibility. There's so many times in which we will judge ourselves so much harsher based on our situation versus based on our, our good decisions and the, the good things that we do. And I do this one a lot. Halo effect is next. This is how much you you would like someone and it would influence your other judgments of them. Judgments would be associative to like cultural or personal prejudices. So halo effect. This would be like your favorite basketball player. He's actually a real shitty person, but because he's such a good player, you just overlook all the other stuff. It's like he's got a halo. That's the halo effect. Next is optimism bias. I do this one a lot too. Overestimating the likelihood of positive outcomes. The way you fix this is you just be real realistic and really rational and use some reasoning that there are you know, some bad things that can happen. There could be some bad consequences. That's why we need to look at things really deeply. So having being too positive is could be to a fault, actually. And then next we have the placebo effect. This is our last one. This is one of my favorite ones. And it's really interesting that this poster that I got these off of, um, it, it's kind of a warning for you to, to be aware of the placebo effect. It's because our mind has influence over our body. Uh, Talking about Wim Hof again, make sure you listen to that damn podcast. I'm telling you what, the placebo effect is real. What our mind is capable of is unbelievable. So I'm going to leave you with that one. We will continue with those because I love fallaciousness. Not really. (laughs) I love salaciousness. No, I don't love fallacies, but I love talking about thinking mistakes and where, you know, I can correct or where I can like put myself on the right path and reasoning about difficult things or difficult thoughts that I may have that may be connected to an emotional response instead of being absolutely reasonable you know I think we all need to step back and look at things before we we react so I hope you've been enjoying these we're going to continue with that next week we'll probably finish them up And I linked the, I put the website below where you can download your own poster and check out this website because it's really cool. Our stoic thought for this week comes from Rear Admiral Richard E. Byrd. He was an American naval officer and explorer, and he was a recipient of the Medal of Honor. You should go check him out. But his quote That I wanted to share to make you feel good this week is quote few men during their lifetime come anywhere near exhausting the resources dwelling within them. There are deep wells of strength that are never used. End quote. Remember that when you feel like you can't take anymore or you're gonna lose it. Remember to tap into those deep wells of strength and resilience because you can do it. Have a great week. Thanks for chilling.